Good morning. It's so warm outside today. The sun is shining so bright. It actually is right now, I think. We should have service outside. Beach service. <laughs> yeah, beach service right now. We'd have to find the beach. Uh, but yeah, we can have a beach service for sure. Um, man, it's, it's a good day, isn't it? You guys have a good week? Okay, not as many yeses. All right. All right. I see some heads shaking. All right. Cool. 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 Anybody have a bad week? Okay. Well, a few of us are like, yep, I'll admit that. I'll say, yep. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Mine was neutral. Not good or bad, but it's a good day, right? Any day that we gather together, it's a good day. Somebody actually just said, it was the first time I've been referenced as family this morning, and they're not even related to me. Um, and they, they said, you, you should have, when you were over at our house, you should have asked us for dessert. For dessert. And because uh, we didn't have dessert when we were there. And Lindsay was like, well, I, we don't want to be rude. And they're like, well, can you really be rude to family? And I was like, oh, we've crossed that bridge. All right. So it's good to go to a church, though, where we can call each other family, isn't it? Have you, ever, have you ever had something that you either just found out or that you knew and you just couldn't wait to share it with somebody? Anybody ever had that moment? So I had that moment yesterday. I was listening to the radio, not a Christian station. <gasps> and I was listening to a certain song. And, and it's a song that I just, I'm not going to play it, but um, y'all familiar with the song, She's Like the Wind? And, yeah, so I'm listening to that song. I've heard the song a long time, right? I've heard it. We, you can hum along with it. You can, you can sing it, certain parts of it, because I don't always know all the songs, so I just know certain lines, you know, and it's mainly the part where she's like the wind, right? Like that part, mainly is the one I know, right? So here's the thing, though. I'm, I'm jamming to the song in my car on the way to breakfast, and I, I'm like, yeah, this is, a good, this is a good way to start the day. And then the radio announcer says, You've just listened to She's Like the Wind by Patrick Swayze. And my jaw hit the floor because I was like, I didn't know that man sang that song. Anybody else? You just found that out today? All right. See, I'm not the only one. She's Like the Wind. Patrick Swayze, that man was a talented man. How many people knew it was him? Stop gloating. I didn't know. Man. And then I had that moment and I was like, I have to share this with someone, right? So who better to pick than with my mom who probably already knew which she did. I sit down at the, the breakfast table and I go, hey mom, I, I couldn't wait, right? I'm like, mom, did you know? Did you know that the song, She's Like the Wind was sang by none other than the handsome Patrick Swayze? And she was like, yes. You didn't? And I was like, no, I just found that out today. So then I didn't have to learn anything the rest of the day because that was my one thing I learned. So makes me want to go watch Dirty Dancing. I'm not going to lie, right? And then as soon as Dirty Dancing's over, pop in, she's like the wind and just celebrate Patrick Swayze. And then maybe that SNL episode where he does the Chip and Dale dancing with Chris Farley. I mean, we'll just mix it all in there. Right? I just said Chip and Dale dancing from the stage. That's, uh, what's that? I mean, yeah, you guys have all seen it. And if you haven't, YouTube is going to be trending this afternoon. Um, but when you have something on your mind that you are excited to share with somebody, you, you just like can't wait, right? How many, how many people have something in your life that, that, that maybe happened this week or last week that you were just super excited about and you had to share with somebody? Okay, a few of us, right? There are things that happen in your life. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I didn't go to wrestling practice the other night. I was like, Lindsay, I've been going to all these. You should go right? Because it's perfect for your mama bear heart to see your son getting pinned to the mat. I mean, it works out really well for that. 
And so she went and, and she texted me and she goes, hey, just so you know, Nikolai just put somebody in a headlock. And I was like, I don't think you're allowed to do that. Uh, and then she gets, texts me back and she goes, he just did it again. I'm like, to the same kid? And she's like, yeah. But last week, you remember what I told you guys? He just kind of lacks that aggressiveness. Well, apparently he found it. And I'm like, yes, right? And she was just so excited to tell me. And I was like, but I wanted to share that with you. He's aggressive now. So if he puts you in a headlock, I'm sorry. But when you have something exciting happen in your life, you want to share it. You want to get it off of your, off of your chest and, and out of your mouth. And you're like, I can't wait, right? Right? It happens, whether it's with a job or whether it's like a breakthrough that you've been praying for where a, a, a full, a, an envelope full of money shows up and you're like, I don't know where this came from, right? You just want to share that with, with people, right? When you find out for the first time that you're getting ready to have a child, right? How do you contain that, right? We were going to have a surprise, uh, a surprise announcement when we had Nikolai that he was a boy, right? Because the Heine name stopped with me if I didn't have a boy, right? Anybody else feel that in your family? Like, you're like, it stops with me. So I was like, please, God, just give me one boy. And I don't want it to be after four, like my dad. Please just give me one, like, you know. And so, so I was like, I was like, give me a boy. And he gave me two, but I couldn't contain myself. And I had to call somebody and be like, I'm having a boy. And then I cried, right? Because it was something exciting, right? When Nikolai has a great day at school, he jumps in the car and the first thing out of his mouth is like, dad, I didn't go to the focus room. Any parents ever heard that? Right? That's a win. That's a win. Dad, I only missed one on my math. Yes. And he's like, well, I missed one. And I'm like, it's still great. Right? Because it's exciting. Somebody came up to me today in kids church and they were like, pastor, I lost a tooth. And I was like, where at? Thinking that she was going to point to her mouth. And she said, at school. And I was like, did you find it? And she's like, yeah, it's in a bag. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, but, but when something like that happens, you want to share that. And did you know it's the same thing we're supposed to be when it comes to telling people about Jesus? It's supposed to be something so exciting for us and the life that we've experienced with him and the goodness he's shown us that we should be just bursting at the seams to get it out of us, right? One of our church values, and you may not even know we have values, but we do. One of our church values is people are our heart. And that's something that for me, as I was starting the year 2022, I asked God, I said, God, what do you want for your church? And he stopped me in, in the fellowship hall and he said, look at your values because they're on the wall. I know they're in between the windows. Not everybody notices them. And he said, look at your values. <laughs> How many people have ever had God tell you, take a good hard look at yourself? <laughs> right? It's not always the, the best thing. And um, God told me, he was like, you guys have done a great job. Now I'm paraphrasing this, of course. And he said, you guys are, are, have done a great job at loving your people in the walls. And I said, okay. And he's like, I'm pleased. And I was like, great. Right? But he said, there has to be a shift. And has anybody ever started your year and you said, this year, my word for the year is, and then blank. Has anybody ever done that or attempted to try to do it? Some people do, some people don't. I've never really done it, but all God keeps telling me is shift, just the word, right? And I'm a car guy. So when I hear shift, that means go faster, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. And if you really want to go faster, you downshift and then upshift, right? Get those RPMs cranking so your tur turbo spools up and you go faster. But that's not what God said. God said, shift. And I said, well, what does that mean, God? And he said, you've got to shift your hearts to people. And I said, well, it's on our wall. <laughs> and he said, you've got to shift your hearts to people. And so... I wanted to preach something else this month. You can ask all of my leadership. 
It was on our calendar. This is what I'm preaching for the month of February. And God said, nope. And I said, okay. Right? And it wasn't until Thursday that I landed somewhere. And so if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 38, this, this is a scripture that if you've been in church any length of time, and I don't know how I want to say this, but the pastor will get up and use this scripture to motivate you to do work, essentially. But there's a deeper thing that I want to look at today. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and 38, or 35 to 38, it says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now I want to stop there. Because the scripture that everybody uses is the next one in verse 37. And and so I want to stop before we get there because what I find interesting is in verse 36. Now here Jesus is, he's he's walking through and he's teaching and and he's healing and he's, he's taking care of what he came to take care of when he was here. But we skip over verse 36 where he says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them and because on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now I thought to myself, compassion. What do you think of when you say the word compassion or hear the word? Just shout it out. What do you think? Care. Care. Anybody else? Love. Pity. Okay. Anybody else? Just shout them out. That's fine. Or don't. That's cool too. Um, Compassion. Because here's what I looked up. I decided, you know what? I'm not just going to find the definition of compassion. I want to know what, what a Greek translation of compassion means. So I looked it up and it, it's a means and a longing or yearning from deep inside of you that moves you to want to act on the behalf of someone else. I'm going to say it again, slower. It is a longing or yearning from deep inside of you that moves you to want to act on behalf of someone else. Compassion. And in that verse, it says Jesus had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus was inconvenienced because of his compassion. What what we like to talk about in church, though, is verse 37 and 38. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. That's what we use to get people to help us work in the church. Plain and simple. But I only want to look at verse 36 today because here I am thinking to myself, well, yeah, man, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. How many people have heard that before in a church? And then directly followed by, and if you could help out in the church, that would be great. Right? I don't want to talk about that today. What I want to talk about is where your compassion is. What are we compassionate about? What moves us? Because if we're going to be like Jesus and talk like Jesus and do Jesus things like Jesus has asked us to do, we've got to check our compassion level, don't we? Having church values is great. But if they're just things that we put on the wall because we want to feel better about ourselves, we could take them off the wall. That's what really God impressed on me when I asked him, what do you want for 2022? And God said, you do a lot of things great on that wall. But there are some things that you need to shift in 2022 towards. Can I tell you something? This is great. Anybody else feel that? How many people like coming to church on Sundays? Everybody's like, wait, I got to raise my hand. Otherwise you're going to judge me. No, that's not what I did that for. (laughs) After I said it, I thought that's, I'm just setting people up now. (laughs) I just told somebody the other day, I like coming to, I, I don't even like coming to church. I love coming to church. I love it. I love waking up and getting here. Why? Because you are all coming here. 
we get to worship together corporately in this building freely how we want to together. I love it. I love going to our small groups and watching the beauty that God is creating inside each of and every one of those groups. I love it. Why? Because I see Jesus there. Why do I love coming to church? Because I see Jesus here. But God's like, I want you to shift though. We do great here, right? I mean, I, I mean, even if I'm having a bad day, I can come in and I can hear a dad joke from Jack. It's going to make me laugh or at least go, huh, right? <laughs> he's not in here, so I can say that. Margie, don't tell him. I know he's listening, but it's fine. We'll just act like he's not. Or, or, or somebody can come up and put your arm around you and say, can I pray for you, pastor? Right? Well, I'm just being personal. They come up to you and say, can I pray for you, pastor? That might be weird. Um, but I love, I love what God has built here. And when I look at it, I think to myself, God, this isn't, I know this, you're not done, right? Because as long as we're not dead, he's not done, Right? And so, <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting. If you didn't know, Jack just poked his head in the window and pointed at me. Um, <laughs> he loves me. He said that. Uh, but here's the thing, though, is, is, is long as, as long as we're still here, we know that God is not done. And what I felt impressed on me was that God was like, I have built a foundation to build something on. Right? It's nothing I've done. It's nothing any of our leaders have done. It's nothing our, our kids' programs have done. It's nothing our worship team has done. It's, it's everything that God has done, right? And when we put our core values together, we put them together with the idea of how do we as a church be like Jesus to the community? So I want to show you some examples real quick and if you just want to jot it down, it's going to be on the screen. But if you just want to jot down the address of where we're going, you can. I want to show you a couple of examples that Jesus gave us to show us his compassion. In Matthew 14, verses 13 and 14, it says, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by a boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Jesus was trying to get away to be alone. How many people have ever done that in your house? Right? Lindsay just shouted it from our rooftops yesterday. I, or no, Friday. It's Friday, right? It's Friday. She had a rough day at work. It was a long day at work, right? I had a question. And then our boys both needed something all at the same time, right? And then our male dogs, Lindsay is the only female in our house. Then our two male dogs needed something too. And Lindsay stood in our kitchen and she went, I just want one minute by myself, right? To which then I, oh, come on. All the ladies there, like, amen. And all the husbands, you've been there, right? And she said that and I went, let's go right? The wise thing to do, correct? And then 60 seconds later, I was, no, I'm kidding. I was, I was like, can I go now? Um, it was 90. I gave you a minute and a half. <laughs> I'm so needy. And in this moment, Jesus is trying to get away by himself. And people heard where he was going and went there before he got there. And when he walked off the boat and saw them, he said, I'm out of order right now. Right? He said, I can't help you right now. No. He had compassion on them and began to heal their sick. And we think, come on. Well, Jesus, that's why you came here. Right? Jesus, you, you're supposed to do that stuff. But he's demonstrating compassion because we're supposed to do the same stuff. Right? 
Let me tell you another one. Matthew 20, 29 to 34, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. <laughs> Man, he already knew. But he wanted to ask them anyways to hear. And they said, Lord, they answered. We want our sight. And Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes immediately. They received their sight and followed him. Jesus, again, could have walked right by them and said, I don't have time to stop. I'm on my way to my next spot. I'm on my way to my next location. I'm on my way to my next appointment. I'm on the way. People are waiting for me. And Jesus had compassion on them enough to stop and ask them, what can I do for you? Mark 8, verses 1 through 3 says, during those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. Did Jesus have to do that? No. No but he had compassion on them. And then what I love is he didn't even just stop at his compassion. He gave the why to why he wanted them to do what they wanted them to do. Right? He had compassion and he was like, because some of them have traveled a long way and they've already been with me for three days. And if I send them home now, they're probably going to pass out. Right? Jesus was moved in the midst of his busyness to move on someone else's behalf. We get busy, don't we? We get caught up in, in, in what we do. We get caught up in, in, in going to church. We get caught up in doing our job. We get caught up in, 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 I'll tell you what, man, having a kid that loves sports, it changes your schedule. And we get caught up in wrestling and wrestling and wrestling and baseball and, and praise team practice. And I got to squeeze in a meeting here and I got to squeeze in a meeting here. And, and somebody then calls me and says, can I meet with you? And I'm like, I, 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 I'm sorry, but you can't because I'm booked. Three years ago, when I started this journey of being a lead pastor, I looked at my calendar one day and I said, when am I going to become a pastor whose calendar is full? I'm apologizing right now that I said that. but we're busy, aren't we? How many people have to bust out a calendar every time somebody asks you if you can have dinner with them? Come on. You got to pop open your phone. I noticed, I noticed just a lot of ladies' hands went up. Well, sorry. Right? Because when people ask me, I go, I have to talk to my wife. Right? She runs our calendar. And then she sends me, yeah, Tracy calls Tab his social director, right? But we're busy people. And when we're in the middle of being busy, we tend to miss opportunities. We tend to overlook things that are important because we're concentrating on the urgent. Does that make sense? The things we find urgent. There's three things that really stuck out to me though after really diving into what Jesus' heart is because, because the thing is, is, and I've already said it, but I want to say it again. Those values on the wall are not because I like them necessarily. They're not because I, I, I saw them and I was like, these would be, they sound great. They would look perfect on vinyl on the wall. When people walk in, they'd be like, wow, those values are so good, right? I didn't pick that because of that. 
when we were deciding what this was going to become and going to the Lord and, and, and figuring out what this was, we said, God, who do you want us to be? And that's where our values came. And when you look at our values, and Debbie, you said this in our last meeting we had, when you look at our values, those values are really Jesus's values. They say our value because we're just trying to reflect Jesus, right? We're trying to show people Jesus here, right? And, but there's three things that stick out though of, of Jesus and how he was with people. Number one is Jesus was accessible to people. You could touch Jesus, right? Jesus took time to see people. That's number two. And number three is Jesus listened to people. I'll say them again. Number one, Jesus was accessible to people. Number two, Jesus took the time to see people. And number three is Jesus listened to people. If we took Jesus off of those and you put your name there, is it hard to always do those three? Is it hard to be accessible? Is it hard to take the time to see people? Not just see people, but see people the way Jesus sees people. Oh, the last one. Is it hard to listen to people? How many people have ever, somebody just wants to talk to you and, and you don't want to hear anything they're having to say, but you got to sit there and listen to it? Come on. How fun is that? It's, it's not, it's not. Right, right? I think people walk in and they just like, you're just like, yep. It's going to be a long hour, right? And I'm not going to get to say anything, Right? Matthew 8, 1 through 4, and I'm going to have a lot of scriptures because God's word is true. And that way, if I just read God's word, none of my words get mixed into it. Matthew 8, 1 and 4. This is a great example of Jesus being accessible. Being able to touch Jesus, being able to, to have an encounter close with Jesus. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. You notice the pattern. There's large crowds following Jesus everywhere he goes right? A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, if you don't know back then, when you got leprosy, you were an outcast. They would send you to a place where you just lived amongst other leopards, not leopards like the animal, lepers, Right? They would send you off to be in a, a community of people just like you. Can't see your family, can't see your friends. You're there until your life is done. No hope. In verse three, it says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. That's a no-no. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. And then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Jesus touched the people that, he, that you weren't supposed to touch according to law. Jesus came in contact with people that... We're hopeless in the society back then. Rules and regulations that were put on that, that weren't biblical, right? And Jesus said, sure. Be healed. Be clean. And he was. Jesus touched him. He was accessible. Think about that man, though. When was the last time that man probably was touched by someone? When was the last time that man actually could talk to somebody and they stood there and gave him time? 
Because I can promise you there are probably people in our lives who feel alone and feel like it's been a long time since someone's touched them. It's been a long time since somebody said something to them so just big, so large that it touched them, that it changed something inside of them. And from a touch of Jesus, the healing power flowed from him and into that man's body. Mark 5, 25 to 34. I don't even have to read it because we've known this story. If you've been in church long enough, you've heard this story. This is the story of the woman who was subject to a bleeding issue. She had a bleeding problem. It was bad. And she heard Jesus was coming through town and she said, if I could just touch his garment, I'll be healed. That's some faith, isn't it? That's knowing who Jesus is enough to know. I don't, I don't even have to touch him. I just have to touch the clothes he's wearing, right? There was one time I helped a, I helped a, a pastor move. And before he had gotten there, everybody talked about how popular of a person he was. And I got to carry some hangers with his suits on them. And the teenager that I was with the sense of humor that I have, I held them up as I walked into his house and I was like, do you want to touch him? (laughs) I did. It was before I was saved. Um, (laughs) I'm like, I do the same thing now. Um, But that woman knew I just have to touch what he's wearing. And I'm going to get my breakthrough that I've been seeking for years. And the beauty of it is, is Jesus is walking through a crowd of people, right? Go back to the memories of when we used to be able to walk through crowds at a a sporting event. You ever been to a sporting event? And, and, And it's everybody's leaving at the same time. What's that like? You just, you just people hitting and like pushing you around, right? Like, unless you're a bigger person and then you're just like, I'm making a beeline. If you want to go, just get in my hole, right? Follow me because I'm going to make a hole, right? Right? And Jesus is walking and he's getting thrown in this crowd from side to side. And when the woman touches him, he feels it leave his body. And he stops and he said, who touched me? And the disciples are like, everybody. Like, we're in a crowd. What do you mean? Everybody's touching you, Jesus. And the woman realizing what Jesus did for her stood up and said, I did. I did. (laughs) And then Jesus replies to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Can I just say right there, I'm just going to pause. I'm just going to say right there. Did you know that sometimes you can free someone in your life by just touching them? By just a hug? Just an arm around them? That's all it takes sometimes is a touch. Somebody who feels lonely, feels like everybody's forgotten them, feels like they're down and out, feels like there's no hope. And somebody who has Jesus in them could come up to them and hug them and say, Jesus loves you. And that could be the difference between them ending it that night or them turning around and saying, does he really love me? Just a touch. Mark chapter 10, verse 13 to 16. 
says people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. (laughs) But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. <clears throat> then he goes on to say, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Took the children in his arms on them and bless them. Can I just say, all Jesus wanted to do was be accessible to his people. All he did was show us, be accessible in the moment. Be accessible for people to touch you, to, 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 to get close to you, to experience what you have. Even the disciples, the 12 guys who were the closest to Jesus didn't understand that. We're trying to keep kids away from Jesus. And he was like, stop it. And then used it as a, as a tool to teach them. Man. But he took time. Last night I was watching the episode of season one of The Chosen where the children are basically bothering Jesus. <laughs> I mean, as an adult, you can see like, yeah, you were probably bothering him. And even though Jesus was there to do something, he took the time to sit with them and to teach them and to pour into them and, and to show them his love. It doesn't matter how old we are today. We are his children, right? We are God's children. And Jesus loved kids. Jesus loved people. People was and is still today Jesus's heartbeat. That's our heartbeat or should be our heartbeat. I often think that in 2022, with as, as messed up as things are in our world and have been, I think to myself, man, God, why, why haven't you, you sent Jesus back yet? The best way I can sum it up is, is because we still have a job to do. And that's to love people. Well, you do a great job loving people here. We do, Right? But what about the people out there who aren't in a building like this or in a community like this? Do we love them like Jesus loved people? Do we allow ourselves to be accessible so people can have access to the Jesus that's inside of us? Because our core value is people are our heart. And then underneath of that, it says people, every person is our heart. We are willing to do everything, anything that no one is doing. And we're wanting to reach the people that no one is reaching. But do we? Isn't that what Jesus did? He reached people that nobody wanted to reach. I love it. I love it because then if I keep going, Jesus took the time to see people. What about the rich, what about the rich guy? What about the rich guy that Jesus encountered? Right? Because here's the thing. Can I, can I just, can I just say this? I want to say it right. When we think of people who need Jesus, we immediately go to people who are down and out. Just think about it. 
When you hear about people who are in need, you immediately think, oh, you're talking about the poor people. Oh, you're talking about the people who stink. Oh, you're talking about the people who are dirty. Oh, you're talking about the people who, who, are, who are, are boozing it up. Oh, you're talking about the people who are strung out on drugs. Oh, you're talking about this person and that person. No. We're talking about people who don't know Jesus. Cross the board. Rich, poor, and in between. There's a lot of people that don't know Jesus. And so if people are our heart, it's not just about the down and out people. It's about the up who don't have any worries, people. Because all we're worrying about is what's their heart saying? All we're concerned about is where their heart's focused at. Because I can tell you what happened in this moment, because when the rich guy went to Jesus and said, Jesus, actually he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? <laughs> oh man, and this is when Jesus is like, all right, I'm going to love you. Because it says that. Jesus says, why do you call me good? And Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your, your father and mother. And then he says, teacher, I de he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Here's your get out of hell free card. Because you kept the commandments. Good job, boy. Right? That's what Jesus said, right? Verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. After the guy responds with, I've kept all of those. Jesus looks at him and loves him. And then says, in love, one thing you lack. Jesus then goes on to tell him, sell everything and give it. And then come and follow me. And that dude did not. <laughs> that dude looked at that. The Bible doesn't say this. But we live in the world that is this. That money brings you everything you need. He had an opportunity to follow Jesus. And he chose what he had over what Jesus could give him. He chose where he was at instead of the freedom to follow Jesus. And some of us, we come here and we put on the smile and we do all the right things and we know what songs to raise our hand at, what part to raise them. And then as soon as the verse kicks in, we put them back down because we're just raising them for the chorus. but you're choosing where you're at in your life over the freedom that Jesus could give you. And the reason why he wants to give you the freedom is so that you can walk up to somebody else who doesn't have it and give it to them. It's not just for you to keep it and, and not do anything with it. It's for you to keep it and then go, oh, hey, you need this too. Oh, hey, you need this too. Hey, let me tell you about this Jesus guy and what he did for me. And then this is what we think though, because we get into this thing of, well, that's, that's mission work. Not, it's not mission work. That, that's, that's what Jesus commanded us to do when, when he, we left this world. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. It doesn't matter what, it doesn't, it's here, it's there, it's everywhere. That's what Jesus told us to do. Take it and go with it and tell people about it, right? But do we do it? Is it our heartbeat? <clears throat> what about What about him? Jesus took the opportunity to see him, didn't he? And Jesus is entering into the city. 
He's a tax collector. Who's not a very big man. How many people know? Tax collectors were not the most popular person in the city. They were the most hated person in the city. <laughs> and not only was he the most hated person in the city, but he was not tall. How many people wish you were taller? Right? Jesus is coming into the city. He couldn't see him. He's probably like, I can't. I can't, I can't see the guy, right? All he wanted to do was see Jesus. So what's he do? He finds the nearest tree and he climbs up to the tree and he, all he wants to do is catch a glimpse, right? And Jesus in the midst of everything going on sees the one person that nobody in the city wanted to see. He stops and says, come down from there because I've got to go to your house for dinner today. <laughs> the one person everybody hated. The one person who was lowly. The one person who wasn't popular. And Jesus stopped everything he was doing and said, I need to go to your house and have dinner with you. And then the Bible goes on to say, after that, everybody was like, look at who he's having dinner with. Can you believe it? Jesus took the time to see people. What I love though is the end of this. <laughs> is when oh, he comes down out of the tree. <laughs> and he says, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And I have, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times that amount. All because Jesus saw him, he was like, I'm turning my life right around. All because he was seen. Do you know what happens when people feel like they're not seen? They just start walking backwards until they're really not seen anymore. And here he was thinking, I just want to see him. And Jesus is like, and you're the guy I came to see. Instantly, he's like, I'm changing what I'm doing. And then, and then Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. Not the man, not just to the man, the house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus just took the time to see people. He made himself accessible. And then he made a point to make sure that he saw people. Not the good parts of people always, but to see people where they were at, but he was looking at it through a lens that we strive to look at, right? The last one, Jesus was willing to listen to people. Oh, man. After Jesus was raised from the dead, and you can find this in, in Luke chapter 24. I'm just going to paraphrase because I want to get through this. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 39. After Jesus comes back, right? He's walking this earth after, after, he was after he died, after he was crucified. He's back on the earth now. He's walking this earth. And what he did was he starts walking down a dirt road with two of his apostles. And they don't recognize him. Jesus is cool like that. He can go in incognito. And he's walking with them, listening to the conversation they're having, talking about him. <laughs> Has anybody ever been in a position like that where you hear people talking about you and you just want to like chime in and give them the truth, right? You just want to drop holy truth slaps, right? And Jesus is walking behind these guys and they're just chit-chatting about Jesus. And he's like, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, have you not heard what's happened over these last few days? Are you the only, like literally it says, are you the only person in this city that doesn't know what just happened? Jesus was crucified. <laughs> Jesus is like, yep, right? 
And Jesus could have looked at them at any moment and been like, I know I was there, <laughs> right? They got me here and they got me here and they put them here, right? Like he could have told them all the details. But instead he sat there and shut his mouth and just listened to them. He just took in what they were saying. And then when they got to where they were traveling to, Jesus acted like he was going to keep going. Right? So like they peel off and he's like, all right, I'll see you later. And they're like, hey, wait, whoa, whoa, man, it's getting late. Why don't you stay with us? And Jesus is like, oh, why don't I stay with you? This will work in my plan. Right? Because that night what happens is they still don't know who he is. And then he breaks bread and all of a sudden they're like, Jesus, right? He does something familiar and then they're like, you, and then he disappeared. And then they were like, what just happened, right? All because Jesus just wanted to listen to where they were at. Hmm. We could touch people's lives a little bit easier and impact them a little bit deeper if we just shut our mouths with our knowledge that we have and just listened. And then not only just listened, but before we spoke, had the Holy Spirit help us speak what needs to be spoken. But it starts with listening, listening to the person and then listening to him and waiting. Doesn't it? Just listening. What about the Samaritan woman at the well? <laughs> she told Jesus, you shouldn't be talking to me. We shouldn't be having this conversation. Jesus was like, yeah, I'm good. And he sat and listened to her. And then he gave her some truth. He was able to connect with her because he listened. The beauty is, is all these conversations that Jesus had with people, not one of them took place inside of a church. Not one time did Jesus stand in a church at a pulpit and save people's lives. These conversations took place at homes, in the streets. They took place at workplaces. They never took place in a religious setting. They never took place in a worship service. They never took place in an altar. Because Jesus knew the importance of home field advantage for people. Tonight, that's what the Rams have in the Super Bowl, which is absolutely unfair. But Jesus knew the importance of how comfortable people are when they're on their own turf. You go to someone's house, they don't have shoes on all the time. They're comfortable. Come to my house, you're probably gonna see me with a ball hat on because my hair's not done. Or if you're lucky, you catch me without a ball hat and my hair not done. I apologize for that. But when people are in their home field advantage on their own turf, they are comfortable enough like these stories to take in what Jesus had to say to them. And in those moments, Jesus didn't even think, I, I never read a story where Jesus was like, this person's gonna get saved and accept me now. What he did was I'm planting seeds and watering them right now right? I'm showing them my love. Not preaching a message to them. I'm not hitting them in the head with a Bible until they get it. I'm just showing them my love. 
I'm just showing them that I care. I'm just showing them that they matter. I'm just showing them that I see them because no one else does. And the beauty was when Jesus had these conversations, he asked questions. He didn't come in like a whirlwind of fire, throwing down the words written by his father. He came in asking questions. Just asking people, wanting to meet them where they were. Wanting to, did he need to ask questions? No, because he knew. No different than those guys on the side of the road who were blind. He knew what they needed, but he started the conversation with asking them, what do you want me to do? When the Pharisees stepped out and were only thinking ill things against Jesus. Jesus heard their thoughts and addressed their thoughts with questions in the moment. Every encounter he had, he was questions. Wanting to get to know a little bit more, right? And what we see is an example of somebody who didn't keep their distance. What we see is we see a savior who came down because he wanted to interact with humanity. He spent 33 years walking this earth, spending time with people, doing life at times with people, waiting for his opportunity. What I love so much is that he spent all that time on the earth and he was just waiting for when it was the right time to do his work. <laughs> we see Jesus who wasn't, first thought wasn't about preaching a message, but just loving people. And then we see a good shepherd who was just spending time with what his father created. Knowing that those people he was spending time with, at the end of his life, he was going to die on a cross for. <clears throat> we see a God who was accessible, who saw people where they were, and who just listened to people and loved them, cared for them. And that's what we've been called to do. And this isn't about filling up our empty seats. This isn't about filling this building so we have to get a bigger one. This isn't about being the biggest church in the city. It's not about any of that. It's about making sure that as I have breath in my lungs, as we have breath in our lungs, we are sharing with people who Jesus is to us. Because the beauty is, is Jesus has done very many different things in each and every one of us. My story is not your story. The way you could connect with somebody is not the way I could connect with somebody. But we all have a story to share for people to change their life. That's why our value Number one is people are our heart. Because if people are not our hearts, we're doing it wrong. And we're just, we're just a country club then. Just a group of people who like to hang out with each other. God has called us to so much more than that. so much more than that. We all have something very heavy that we can carry to somebody else. We have a burden that we're supposed to share with somebody else. We, we're supposed to have those opportunities to be accessible like Jesus. I'm everybody a WWJD bracelet. What would Jesus do? I know it was the trendy thing in the 90s. 
but to remind us, what would Jesus do in this situation? (laughs) Well, he'd be accessible. He'd see them and he'd listen to them. That's what Jesus would do. My heart is that as we move through this month, that our core values are not just vinyl on the wall, but that just like that says right there, that we would own the vision, that we would take that and we would say, that's my vision and I'm taking it outside with me. Because I'll tell you what, it's not my vision. (laughs) It's not Jared's vision. It's what God said he wanted for this church. Plain and simple. And guess what? We are the So we have to own that vision. We have to own those values. We have to be like Jesus to the people who don't know him. Look for your opportunities. Look for for your I call them I call them divine appointments. Those moments when you didn't plan it but it's happening. <laughs> be Jesus. It's not just my job to save people. It's all of our responsibilities to save people. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes. morning before we pray, I want to just give the opportunity for anybody who maybe doesn't know that Jesus. Or maybe knows that Jesus, but you're just going through the motions. I want to give you the opportunity to make that decision today. So if that's you, if you want to ask Jesus in your life or you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, you just slip your hand up and then put it right back down. I see that one. Okay. And we're going to pray this all together. Jesus, I made some mistakes. I've got some sins in my life but you died for me. And I receive that today. I lay my sins down and I take on your freedom. Jesus, I thank you for giving me this opportunity. And you are Lord over my life. And I will live the best I can for you. Amen. As we close today, if you need prayer or if if you were that person, I want to encourage you to come down here and meet with a prayer partner at the end of service. We're going to pray. And then if you've got to go, you can go. But if you would like some prayer and you didn't get to it during our worship time or, or you just feel like you need to come down here, we've got these ladies down here to pray for you. So if you'll pray with me, God, we just thank you for this day. God, I thank you for this challenge to be more like your son and have it on the forefront of our minds more than it ever has been, God. God, I thank you for the one person in this room right now that just accepted your son. That took on the sins and the burdens, Father, for all of us. God, I know that there's a celebration happening and I thank you for that, God, and we celebrate today for that one. God, I ask, Lord, that you just speak to us this week. God, give us the opportunities and shine the light on those opportunities, Father, where we can be you, where we can show people your son, God, where we can can share Jesus with people this week, Father. God, I thank you for this year. I thank you for where you're taking this church. God, I thank you for where you're taking these people, Father. But God, let people be our heart this week, God. 
Let this not be something that's just a catchy phrase or a vinyl on the wall, but God, let this be our life, Father. Something that gets inside of us, Father, that builds, uh, uh, just creates a compassion inside of us that makes us want to move for people, God. God, I pray that you send your lost. Put them in our paths in our daily lives, Lord, so we can meet them where they're at, on their turf, Father. Let us be just like Jesus this week. God, we love you and we thank you, Father. Thank you for your words. I thank you for what you've done today, God. I love you, God.